business is like a marriage, right? I mean, you're in a legal relationship with people, whether you like it or not, you can break it up, but it's going to cost you guys a lot of money. So you just need to learn to work stuff out because these same patterns are going to recur in other relationships. Unlock possibilities by changing your mindset. You will expand what's possible for you, for the ones around you, for the world. You're moving into a land of both blind spots and learning, of things and ideas. You just crossed over into the mindset zone. Join your guide, Anna Malikia, founder of Solo Biz Academy, the director of education for Book Yourself Solid and a PhD in psychology. The show you are about to listen is backed by popular demand from the Mindset Zone Archive Vault. To get all new episodes, make sure you subscribe via your favorite podcast app and visit mindset.zone. Yes, instead of .com, it's .zone. There you can find the episode archive, show notes, and other amazing resources, including how to four times your success so you can work smarter, not harder, and learn how to leverage your talents to make a bigger impact while enjoying the process. All at Mindset.Zone. I am Amlikian here, and when I was preparing this interview with the host of the Art of Charm podcast, I plan to focus this episode on overcoming blind spots. In fact, I opened the interview by telling the story about my blind spot in relation to the, this uh, his podcast, Art of Charm, that is top 50 in iTunes. And it really is an amazing podcast with more than 1.5 million downloads per month. Yet the conversation with Jordan was so rich that I decided in the post-production to rename the podcast episode from Overcoming Blind Spots to Blind Spots, First Impressions and People's Skills. It's really about learning the art of charm with the social dynamics expert and entrepreneur Jordan Arbinger. So let's go to the interview now. Welcome to the Mindset Zone, Jordan. Hi, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I really thrill about this conversation because it's, um, I thought the topic about overcoming blind spots will be ideal for us to speak because I have to confess to you and to the people listening to Mindset Zone that I had a big, big, but a huge blind spot in regarding to the art of charm. Because when I start my podcast at the end of 2014, the art of charm was there up the scales in business. And, and they still are, but I remember at the time that I listened to the first episode and I wondered to myself, what does a dating podcast is doing in the business category? And I was really very mad about it. 
and I refused to listen to more podcasts from The Art of Charm because I thought they are in the wrong category, in my opinion, based on that first episode. And I didn't find it very appealing because I was not the target market of the, your podcast. And was only after having a conversation some months after with Michael Port that we both know and he was speaking so highly about you, so highly about your podcast that I see, let me give him another chance. And I list the more recent episode and I was, whoa, now I get it. So <laughs> ah, nice. I'm glad you came back around. Yeah. So uh, for, and I think this is an example of some, uh, uh, for me, of how we can create misconceptions about things. And uh, if we don't give it a new chance, we can uh, be stuck in our misconceptions. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, if we if you enter anything with a closed mind, you can really get stuck in there. And and it's kind of the one of the major facets of what we teach at the Art of Charm is your senses are always you're supposed to judge things. You know, people make these sort of sweeping claims like, "Oh, I try not to be judgmental," or "I'm not a judgmental person." But it's it's evolutionary psychology that yeah. brings you to be judgmental in the first place. Usually, it serves us well. And when it doesn't, you know, it really doesn't. So that's something we fight in our businesses all the time. It's something we fight with our, in our person all the time. You know, you might meet somebody who looks a certain way and makes certain judgments about them. Sometimes they're right and other times they're not. And people do the same thing when they're looking at you, your business, your brand, anything, and you individually. Yeah, and that is something that I think you help lots of people with, man, mainly men, about that first impression, because you know that this is so important. Well, yeah, if you don't manage this perception that people have of you, uh, first impressions or otherwise, then that will stick. And, and so people a lot of times think like, oh, well, I'm not making a bad first impression or, oh, I'm, I don't want to make a negative first impression. Making no first impression, quote unquote, in air quotes, yes. in your mind is is bad because what that means is you're not managing your first impression. So people think, oh, I don't want to do anything wrong or I don't want to do anything as a negative first impression. Well, the problem is people are then judging you. They're still judging you. You can't prevent that. So mm-hmm. If you, if, if you just hide or you try to be quiet or you put yourself in the corner, you're in trouble because now the perception is, oh, this person is quiet. They don't want to participate. Maybe they don't want to be here. Maybe they're arrogant. Maybe yeah. they're slow or they're dumb or they don't have anything to offer. You know, those are the things that people will then judge you for. And it's easy to go, well, I, I'm going to dismiss that because those people are judgmental. But what, again, you can't prevent it. And also everyone does it. Yeah. The people who say they don't are either lying or are so oblivious to their own programming that they don't see it happening. Yeah. So you can't hide. You can't stop people from doing it. You have to manage it. Yeah. It's like the best defense is a good offense type thing. Yeah. And the image that comes to my mind is like a blank, blank canvas that you you can decide, oh, I'm not going to put anything there. I'm just leave it blank. But mm-hmm. if we don't put something there, the other people are going to project their own reality there. They are going to paint our canvas. So it's better to be ourselves to design something there. Yes, exactly. I mean, if if you left a blank canvas in a museum, some people might say, oh, this is amazing. And other people are going to look at it and go, oh, I think the art is this dirty splotch yeah. on the side. Oh, no, no. I think that was an accident that got there. No, no, no. It's the fact that the light shines on it in a certain way and it's faded at the top. No, no, no. That's not supposed to be there either. 
people are just going to judge it based on what they see. They're not going to try to read into it. That very few, very seldom is it that you see a quiet person in a conversation and go, oh, this person is probably really sweet and kind and uh-huh. good natured and they're just shy. Usually, uh, many people, I would say, would just go, oh, this person doesn't feel like engaging with us because we project our own insecurities onto that blank canvas, yeah. right? We don't necessarily say, oh, well, that pretty girl in the corner who's quiet is probably shy and sweet. We say, oh, she's arrogant. She doesn't feel like she needs to talk to us. And I used to do that as a young man. I know a lot of men who are grown ups now still do that. And we we do that a lot when a, if a guy's cold or doesn't smile to us, we think, oh, he's he's like this tough guy. He tries to be in command all the time when really maybe he's just having a tough day. Yeah. We cannot change the way, we cannot prohibit people from judging us. We can only manage and try to change the way that they perceive us by keeping that in mind. And so we focus a lot on that at The Art of Charm. It's not the only thing we focus on, but we just bring that awareness to people and then we change their nonverbal communication, body language, eye contact, and vocal tonality such that they are able to project confidence, charisma, personal magnetism, because we know those are powerful yeah. traits that are really in demand. Because I, I remember one of the episodes in the beginning of this podcast, I dedicate like several, I think it was five episodes to the book, The Four Agreements from Don Miguel Ruiz. And um, one of the agreements for people that know the book is uh, don't make assumptions. And my point in that episode about that agreement was, we always are making assumptions. Well, we are, because it's part like you are referring to of the way that we are wired is to put things in categories and to make assumptions of things. I think the power is um, uh, doubt our assumptions and uh, don't take them from as a given or as the truth. But okay, let's see what we can do about it in a personal level and then if people are going to make is what you are speaking assumptions about us we have some power in the way that we are communicating who we are yeah sure i mean it it is very common a lot of times when whenever we have nonverbal communication it's that's the core of how people of what people you use to judge us because a lot of folks think all right my first impression is made when I open my mouth, right? When I walk up to that person and say something, that's when my first impression's made, so whatever I say has to be good, and I better be standing up straight and smiling and all that jazz. And that's not true, right? Your first impression actually happens when you become a blip on other people's radar, that Mm. is, when they see you. And we know that that the most of the time when people see you is when you walk into a room. That's when the majority yeah. of the people in the room see you, et cetera. So your first impression is made when you walk into the room before you even open your mouth. That's what that that's what we can sort of deduct from from that. So what what that means for us, fortunately or unfortunately, is that the second you walk into any room, people are looking at you and the majority of people are looking at you and they're making judgments subconsciously about you. Now that judgment's not based on what you're saying because you're not walking into a room and going, hello everyone, I'm confident, (laughs) charismatic and friendly. You're not doing that. What you're doing is walking in however you happen to be walking in and most of us place zero thought on how we enter a room, what we look like when we do it, what we're doing when we're walking in. Most people never even think about that and unfortunately, that's the window in which most people are forming their first opinion about us. Mm-hmm. So it, it tends to be a really dangerous phenomenon for a lot of folks to just sort of let that slip by without th- giving it a second thought. And unfortunately, 
that's when people are deciding whether or not they trust us or whether they like us. And of course, we can fight those later, but why not do it right the first time? I to- totally agree. And th- this reminds me a lot of things like even public speaking starts the same way. Before we open our mouth, it already started long ago. When we are in the room, when we are there with the people, how they see us, how they perceive us, all that counts. So, and even if we think about the networking event, like the moment that we enter the room is counting. Yeah, I, I think I think that when we start to put thought on those first impressions, when we start to look at how people are judging us, we don't, unfortunately, we don't get an insight into other people's yeah. minds, right? We don't get an insight into... What, what are people thinking about me right this second? For example, today, I'm a little bit under the weather, right? And people who normally, who know me really well, they might listen to this and go, huh, he seems like he's a little bit slower. His mm-hmm. voice sounds a little bit different. But somebody who's hearing me for the first time goes, yeah. what's this guy's problem? He's, or, or they don't notice at all. Yeah. Right? They, most likely they don't notice, I hope, they don't notice at all. But some people are going, oh, why is this guy you know, repeating this and talking slow or whatever it is, this judgment they're yeah. making based what? on my voice the first few minutes of an interview. Mm -hmm. They can't see me, nothing, but there are still judgments being made. So when we start to reform your nonverbal communication, now we're in a a really, a great area to, to, I I hate the word manipulate, but to mold Mm -hmm. and and frankly manipulate for good purpose, hopefully, uh, people's first impressions of us. Because what that means is that we know that since we know that our first impressions are going to be made when we walk in, we know that those first impressions are going to be made non-verbally. What we then start to focus on is, oh. I'd better be standing up straight, have open body language, have a smile on my face, make good but not too creepy solid eye contact, Mm -hmm. uh, have that sort of 90% open body language, be engaging and be engaged with other people, look like I'm having a good time, have a decent stride. All of these little pieces that we can put together, Mm -hmm. those add up to, oh, who's this person versus, oh, you know, look at this guy. Is creating that first impression. Don't let it be. Let ourselves be the creators and not just the reactors of the circumstances. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the key takeaways from this, aside from the fact that you need to work on your nonverbal communication, is that we're always making these judgments, of course, and also that when when our bodies tell people things. Other people tend to listen to those things. Anybody, lying is really easy with words, right? Uh, where mm-hmm. were you? Oh, uh, I was uh, at the doctor today. No, you weren't. You know, you slept in, right? But with our bodies, it's very difficult to lie. And so our brains are evolved. Yeah. And, and women's brains are actually better at this than men from what the science is showing so far. And from, <laughs> from let's be honest, casual <laughs> observation of how socially astute most women are versus most men. But that aside, we we know that when we look at someone, someone, we can typically tell, oh, is this person feeling comfortable right now? Is this person friendly right now? Is this person energetic right now? Are they tired? There's mm-hmm. little things we can tell that we don't even, they don't even hit the level of consciousness. Yes. Yeah. And that is the thing that is loads of going on that is subconscious. And uh, now I want to turn the conversation to the other side, because yes, we have loads of power and your The Art of Charm, the podcast and loads of the programs that you are out there is all about how to um, create and to make you 
be perceived in the ways that you want to be. And, but I want to turn the thing to the other side in the sense of as the one that judge, as the one that makes the interpretations, we know that we do many of these interpretations of whatever we see, of whatever the situation is. We do this in a, in a subconscious way. And we have blind spots, like the, I was referring to with the with the story the first time that I listened to the to your podcast. How uh, can you do? You remember an example of a blind spot that you had that prevent you to see further, and how you overcome it? A blind spot that I had that prevented yes. me from seeing further in in my business of anywhere in my business. Yes, anywhere in your business or personal life, if you are willing to speak about it. Oh, I am totally. <laughs> I'm totally willing to speak about that. I'm trying to think of a really good uh, blind spot because I, I've got so many um, that it's it's almost impossible to pick just one. I'm trying. I'm looking for a juicy one that I haven't <laughs> spoken about before because I think those are always really funny. Uh, for me. Okay, here's here's a great one that no one can really argue with because it's my own experience. I grew up an only child. Surprise, I grew up an only child. And I never really noticed because I was always like okay at sharing and I was always, you know, okay at talking with people. I always had friends and things like that. But when I got into business, uh, my business partners were not only children. And I thought I was being really generous and I was being really open and I was communicating really well. And after a while, my business partners were like, hey, man, we, we got to sit down and have a talk because it, people are finding it really hard to work with you. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, why? Oh, it's not that we don't like you or anything like that. It's just, you know, you, you tend to sort of decide something and then you just do it and you don't clear it with everybody. And then you're looking in this direction. And you want to do that. And I'm like, but isn't this the right way to do it? And they're like, hey, we're not saying your decisions are wrong. We just want to be kept in a loop. And I thought, oh, this is totally something I thought I was doing that was good because when I was a kid, my parents were always entertain yourself. You yeah. got to do this for you. You've got to do it this way. And then they would be kind of hands off. They both had jobs. But I get now that when you have a sibling, for example, you can't just do something on your own. You can't just go off on your own and do this without consulting. Anyone. You can't necessarily just build this whole thing and do it your way. But when I was a kid, my parents had no problem with that. That was called initiative when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And it's less welcome in a business environment. So now when we hire people, we're kind of like, oh, do you have brothers and sisters? <laughs> yes, good. How's your relationship with them? Great. Okay, perfect. You know, because you can spot those red flags. We've had a lot of people that come in that have relationships with their siblings and they're a little rocky. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying every employee that has rocky relationships with siblings is going to be a bad employee. There's many reasons that people have those things happen. But I have noticed that people who maybe don't get along that well with their sibling and then we, maybe we meet that sibling a few months or years later in the business relationship and we find out that it maybe was the person who worked for mm -hmm. us is uh, issues that caused some of the turmoil in that relationship. We see those same things Patterns. popping up in business mm -hmm. and everyone has little flavors and little issues. The thing, the question is, does it rise to the level of, of destroying or harming the relationships that that person's in? Because if they can't keep their family life together and again, vast gross generalization yeah. doesn't hold true for everyone, but if they can't keep their family life together, 
How are they going to do working with people that they're not related to and that they have to live yeah. with? That same phenomenon is going to show up, and it did for me. And the thing is that uh, what, how, what they are going to do when that the, the, their blind spot is exposed, like you, for you was a blind spot that you thought, oh, this is the normal. I was always did like this and work very well, so what is the problem? But you were open enough to, oh, I get it. I was not seeing this, but now I, I can see, I can see your point of view. I can see what I didn't saw before. And then you change based on that information. Uh, and I think some people, instead of changing, they just uh, start a defensive mechanism. No, I'm right. You are wrong. And that is when the big problems start. Oh, yeah, definitely. Once, once you start defending yourself, it is absolutely over, especially in business. What people don't think about very often that took me a couple of years running the Art of Charm, which we've been doing for eight plus years wow. and in more than that now, it's probably like 11, I don't know, since we started getting into this field. Business is like a marriage, right? I mean, you're in a legal relationship with people, whether you like it or not, you can break it up, but it's going to cost you guys a lot of money. <laughs> so you just need to learn to work stuff out because these same patterns are going to recur in other relationships, right? Yeah. Just like we said before. So, And, and how, how can you let that relationship personal or business or whatever grow in a way that is fun for both parties or for all the parties involved? Yeah. And, and that's a tricky question, right? Because I think it's the same issue that people have when they're in regular relationships. They think this is so great in the beginning. This is so great. This is so cool. This is so new. Every, everybody's so great. That's in this. We're really crushing it. And then you hit a couple obstacles and you think, oh, it's okay. We're a great team. We got this. And then you hit another couple more and a couple more and a couple more. And then you start blaming each other for this. And this was your fault. And this was my fault. And then you look at that and it's a very easy metaphor to, to make with the relationships and the business because once you find those patterns, those the blame game, the, the way you react under stress, the way you take things out on other people, you're probably around your business partners more than you mm -hmm. are around your significant other anyway. So anything that shows up in your relationship is going to show up more, multiples of that are going to show up in your business and vice versa. So looking at those parallels, it strikes me as even more important now that the things that we're teaching at The Art of Charm in terms of relationships, mm -hmm. they, they overlap in business so clearly that that's one of the reasons why the show is categorized as such. I mean, yeah. a lot of the people that come through the programs are just in it for business. A lot of the clients are married. And it's because these same patterns show up in relationships just as they do in business and the principles hold true throughout right. with, almost, with almost no exception. Yeah, because what you're describing of that when things start to get a little bit rocky and people start blaming each other, it's like digging a hole, a hole, a hole. And uh, then you just see, it uh, seems that the only way is going dig even deeper hole uh, and I think sometimes it really takes the moment that you eat a rock and you cannot keep digging to start wondering okay maybe we have to think about another way of doing this and we start to look around and realize that we put ourselves in a situation that the only way out uh, is going give some steps back and see what can we do have a more uh, bird eye view uh, that allow us to have more perspective because when we are in the hole we don't see anything just see a small space that we are confining to it 
Exactly. It's really hard to read the label from the inside of the yeah. bottle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is another great, great image. So let's speak a little bit about, I love these parallel of relationships and business. And um, speaking about your business of podcasting, that you are really one of the pioneer, pioneers of uh, this renaissance of podcasting that is happening nowadays. And so you start to, uh, before it was cool to have a podcast. How does that came about? Uh, yeah, so I worked on Wall Street and I was supposed to have a mentor and they assigned me this mentor named Dave and everybody's like, oh man, Dave's the man. It's going to be so great. You know, I'm really looking forward to hearing about all the cool stuff you guys do. And I was really excited for the summer because everybody else was going to see like Blue Man Group and going out for <laughs> drinks and going out for lunch, going out for dinner. And I hadn't seen one iota of that. Dave was never in the office. You know, when he hired me, he was really cool. We were like catching a football in the office and then he vanished and I never saw him. And one day HR said, how's your mentorship program going? And yeah. I thought like, well, everybody else is doing oyster shooters with Matthew McConaughey at rooftop restaurants, <laughs> like on Wolf of Wall Street. And I haven't even gotten so much as a friggin' Starbucks from my mentor. You know, this stinks. So I told them that and they, they actually kind of, not forced, but came close to forcing him to take me out to coffee. And <laughs> so he took me out for coffee and he's like, ask me anything. He's sitting there hammering away on his Blackberry. And, um, you know, not a good way to start a yeah. conversation with a partner at a law firm. And I said, okay, well, you know, not caring about the job at this point. How come everyone says you make more money than everybody else, but you're never in the office? Mm. And I, it, you know, he, he put down his BlackBerry and he, he kind of just looked at me and I thought, this is how you get fired at Starbucks <laughs> in front of all these people. And he's like, oh, people really say that, huh? Well, I'll tell you what, you know, I bring in all the deals. I bring in all the business. I'm the one who makes it rain around here, which is, you call it rainmaking mm -hmm. uh, in law. And I, I said, oh, this is awesome. I, so this is why you're never, in this is why you're never in the office. You don't have to work from home. You're, you're out playing, he's out playing golf. This is a guy from Brooklyn with a tan. So he knows something that I don't. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's golfing, he's doing jujitsu, he's on cruises. He goes out to dinner, he goes out to lunch with all these people. He's always hanging out because he didn't need to be in the office to make money. He made more money out. forgetting about billing hours just developing relationships. Mm -hmm. So I thought this is the key because all the other guys I knew were sleeping under their desk. They were out working everybody when they weren't, didn't have a deal going. They were like, you know, reading books about how real estate finance law worked. And I knew that was not going to be me. So, so I thought if I can master these people skills, you know, ah, I'm onto something. So suddenly you, you were going like everybody was doing it, like working more, trying to be in the office and working hard. And you knew that there was something that was not the way of doing, but you were not seeing other possibilities until you had this conversation and suddenly you saw, huh, this is the way of doing it. Yeah. And, and that was a huge aha moment for me because I thought, okay, if I can if I can master this people skill thing, uh, then I don't have to be the guy who sleeps under the desk. I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room, which is not going to happen. Um, and, and you want to be the one with the pen, right? I want to be the guy doing jujitsu outside and tan in the middle of 
whatever, you know, the summer when everybody else is toiling away. And so I started to work on and try to master these people skills. So I took like every Dale Carnegie class and I took Toastmasters and I went and tried to improve this and that and the other thing. And then I started going out alone to try to figure this stuff out and make networking connections because I thought, okay, I'm meeting people, but like I need to really figure out how to, how to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, I need to figure out how to make it happen. And it was it was tough um, because I went out alone and stood around doing nothing for a long time. So I started to work on all of these different things and psychology and applied psychology. And I ran into my now business partner AJ, who was he was really good with girls, but he wasn't that good at making networking connections. So he and I started talking about everything from sales and networking skill sets to dating skill sets, and the overlap was tremendous. I mean, it was like ninety percent plus. Love and it. So we started talking about this and people said, listen, guys, you need to write a book on all of these things you guys are putting together. And I thought, I'm studying for the bar exam. I'm not writing a book. And AJ was a cancer biologist, so he wasn't about to write a book anytime soon. So podcasting was brand new. We, we bought some cheap microphones from Guitar Center and we were off to the races. So yeah. that was 2006 and so that's how the show started. What's the easier way and whoa, what did you start there? Wonderful. Yeah. And one thing that I admire a lot of this story is that you show in this experience of your life a growth mindset. You didn't say, okay, this is something that people are born with. You thought this is something I can learn and you went to learn it. And that I think is one of the amazing things that when we see things that, no, I, this is a skill and I can learn about how this works and I can make it work for me. That is what is transformational. Will you agree with that? I would definitely agree with that. I mean, it's, it, we had to look at our brand as something that was fluid and, and evolving. Because of course, as we, as we started to master these skill sets on our own and teach them to others, we started to realize, oh, the application is not just, you know, dating. It's not just even relationships uh, for personal reasons. Like a lot of our clients, even back then, were married. We thought, well, wait a minute. People are using this stuff just for business. Mm -hmm. This is more powerful. We're using this stuff for business. Why aren't we teaching that angle? So we started talking more about that. And the show just exploded because people were, who then saw some sort of weird stigma against the advice that we might be giving to men about dating now saw this as, oh, wait a minute, this applies to men and women and not yes. just to dating, it applies to business. Now suddenly it was palatable, so people started sharing it and people started consuming it voraciously and that's where we saw a real turning point and it's like, man, 2020 hindsight, <laughs> we should have been talking about this eight years ago instead of you know starting a couple years ago uh, on this subject because it's more interesting anyway. Yeah, and the, the thing that, I, again, going back to the growth and the fixed mindset that Dr. Car uh, Carol Dweck speaks about is like you are also making the, the art of charm is not something that you're born with, but something that you can learn. Right. It is absolutely learnable and teachable. And, you know, it's based on verbal and nonverbal communication patterns that are something that anybody can master. And it, it's, it's a very common excuse for people to say, well, you know, you're born with it. Or you either have it or you don't. The, nobody who has it says you either have it or you don't. Yeah. People who don't have it say yes. that. There's a pattern. That's, that, there's a, there's, that's no coincidence. It's kind of like those people who, are, who don't have any money often find themselves saying, well, you know, it's a battle, the haves versus the have-nots. Mm -hmm. Nobody who has lots says, very, I should say, very few, few people who have a lot say, 
oh yeah, you know, you're just born into money or you'll never earn it. Nobody would ever say that, right? Because they know that it's a skill and you have to work for it. You have right. to do lots of things, but it's possible. It's right, but it's, it's very unpopular to say that if you're surrounded by people who don't have it, because then what you're saying is, hey, if yeah. you worked harder, you could have this skill set too. And uh, only, only if a small percentage of the population feels empowered by something like that. Like I love hearing well, wait a minute, I just put the work in and I can speak like Michael Port. Oh, I just put the work in and I can build a following like like Gary Vaynerchuk. People love hearing, very few people love hearing that because what they, what most people hear is, oh, wait a minute, I'm not doing enough. It's mm -hmm. easier to say, oh, I don't have the genetics or, oh, I, I, I didn't win the, the lottery and wasn't born with the trust fund, so dot, dot, dot. I mean, we get that a lot. I've, I've had people even say, well, yeah, you might have this thriving business now, but not everybody, you know, is a trust fund kid. And I'm like, uh, who are you talking to? My dad's an auto worker. My mom was a public school special ed teacher. Mm -hmm. You know, tr what trust fund are you referring to? You know, and, and it's just, it's, a, it's an excuse process that's built into their mind. And that's, speaking of mindset, that's very toxic. You know, yeah. whenever you look for reasons that you can't do something because you don't have insert God-given trait here, yes. you will fail because you will program yourself right out of winning. And you say, uh, is that blind spot that instead of uh, getting out of it, we dig the hole on it. And this is, is, is going the wrong direction. So what is the message that you like to leave the lessons of the mindset zone that is all about expanding possibilities? What is the message that you like to leave to the listeners? Uh, the message essentially is that you can build charismatic personality. You can build magnetic personality through a series of skills. And this is a really, this is great news. So the whole, it's not about what you know, but who you know, mm -hmm. becomes instead of a mantra of the have nots, yeah. like, oh, it's all about who you know, uh, we'll never, it's, that's the best news ever because it means you don't have to be the guy who sleeps under the desk. You don't have to be the guy that spends time, his spare time studying a certain subject, you can build the communication skills, which will build the personality, which will allow you to create the relationships that will then guide you to success. So, it's not about being born into it. You can do better than somebody who's born into it if you're intentional about the process. So you can learn it. Absolutely. You can learn it, you can master it, and you can, you can actually do better than somebody who was born with a trust fund and a bunch of people around him who are already successful. And the only thing I will add, you have to be wise enough to pick the right teachers because that makes all the difference too. Absolutely. Good point. Mm -hmm. And for the listeners, go and look in the iTunes to The Art of Charm because it's really a good podcast to follow and to listen to the interviews there that you have that are really, uh, if, in my opinion, yes, allow us to see things from different perspectives. You always bring very interesting guesses that uh, expand our possibilities, the way that we think about the world. Well, thank you very much, Anna. Okay, a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for your time today. I would love to hear your thoughts about this conversation. And remember that you can access the show notes of this episode at mindset.zone forward slash 42. Or to keep it simple, just go to mindset.zone forward slash info. There you can listen to every episode of this podcast, 
access the show notes, learn how to subscribe this podcast via iTunes, join Mindset Zone community in Facebook. I would love to have you there. And of course, always email me. And even if you go there, you can get the free audiobook download and 30-day free trial of audible.com. So just go to mindset.zone forward slash info. That is the place to go. Thank you for listening. And remember to visit mindset.zone. Yes, instead of .com is .zone. There you can find all the episodes and other amazing resources. As always, I'm so grateful that you have crossed over into the mindset zone. Spend what's possible for you, for the ones around you, for the world.